Yes, 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 people. Welcome to another episode of Echo Chamber. So, we start the episode with a look at the box office in the UK for the weekend of the 18th to the 20th of September. We've got, um, actually, this week, we have three new films. So, um, yeah, that's something, right? At number 10, though, we've got Derek Bought Unhinged. Then, at number 9, is the first of our three films. It is White Riot, which is from Rubika Shah. It's starring Tom Robinson, Joe Struman, Red Sanderson, and Mick Jones. So, at number eight, we've got Alexis Stadman's 100% Wolf. At number seven, our next new film. Which is Rocks Now, I was able to catch this at last year's London Film Festival And it has really garnered the support of the, uh, yeah, of the populace really Everyone comes away, yeah, with a nice little glow This is from director Sarah Gavron And it's starring Koza Ali, Ruby Stokes Bucky Bakery uh, and Anastasia Dynamato. At number six, we've got Onward. So that's Dan Scanlon. At number five, we've got Josh Boone's New Mutants. At number four, it's Andre Rise's Magical Maastricht. So it's some event cinema action for you right there. And surprisingly, at number three, it's our last new film, which really isn't uh, released until Friday in the UK. But it isn't stopping that, uh, you know, phone booth because in at number three, it's Bill and Ted face the music from Dean Paristot and of course starring Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, Bridget Lundy and Samara Weaving. So at number two we have Roger Crumble's After We Collide which means still riding high at number one we got Christopher Nolan's masterpiece, Tenant, which stars Robert Patterson, Elizabeth Debicki, Clem Posey, and John David Washington. So, people, this week we have three films for you, but before we get to those, Let's check out a little bit of information. Alright, let's get to it. Okay, so this is for all you shudder, horror 
and Creepshow fans. Shudder are pleased to announce the start of production on the highly anticipated second season of its hit series Creepshow in Atlanta, Georgia. The anthology series which shattered all Shudder records when it debuted last October is executive produced by showrunner Greg Nicoretto who was involved with The Walking Dead and it's based on George A. Romaro's iconic 1982 movie. The six-episode second season will premiere exclusively on Shudder in 2021. The show is following all safety guidelines and protocols in accordance with SAG-AFTRA, DOGA and all of those other guidances, etc, etc. Right, so Craig Engler, Shudder's general manager... Had, um, you know, he had this to say Season 1 was a monster hit for us Setting viewership records across the board While becoming the best viewed non-horror series of 2019 For Season 2, Greg Nicoretto and his team have outdone themselves With bigger and bolder stories New incredible creature designs and clever twists that truly live up to the show's tagline. The most fun you'll have being scared. You know, and Nicoretto, he had this to say. I've never been happier to get behind the camera as I am today. After missing our shoot date in March by just over 48 hours. Season 2 of Creepshow hits the ground running as cameras begin to roll. The cast and the crew have a level of excitement and enthusiasm I've never seen before. And it's inspiring. So many of us in the entertainment industry have been waiting for the day we can begin to do what we do best. To have some fun together, creating new worlds, new adventures and new thrills. You know, their Shudder also revealed initial details about four of this season's segments, which will be directed by Nicoretto, Anna Camp, and Adam Pally. Um, you know, will also star in Shapeshifters Anonymous parts one and two, written by Nicoretto. Based on a short story by J.A. Conrath um, about an unlucky soul who finds himself in need of a werewolf support group. Uh, Keith David, Ashley Lawrence and Josh McDermott will star in Pesticide, written by Frank Dietz, in which an exterminator makes an infection. Infernal Bargain and Model Kid, written by returning creep show writer John Espiotto, um, is about a 12 year old monster fan who turns to hand built model kits to escape his unhappy reality. Additional titles, castings, and directors will be announced soon.
So, in its first season, Creepshow smashed records for Shudder in number of viewers, new subscriber sign-ups, and total minutes streamed to become the most-watched program in Shudder history, followed by a successful run on AMC. The show was a hit with critics as well as fans as one of 2019's best-reviewed non-genre series with a 97% fresh rating on review aggregator Rotten Tomato. The inaugural season starred David Arquette, Adrien Babu, Tobin Bell, Big Boy, Jeffrey Combs, Kid Cudi, Bruce Davison, Gianculo Esperito, Dana Gould, Trisha Heffer and DJ Quails and featured adaptations of stories by Stephen King, Joe Hill, Joe R. Lansdale and Josh Maelstrom. So, when season two debuts, I'll make sure you are there to check it out. Independent cinema pop-up screens is back this winter, taking over Peckham's popular boozy building with a season of exciting and immersive events taking place from from the 23rd of October to the 20th of December. The pop-up Peckham series will feature scary screenings in a forbidden forest, Belly laughs at the first ever Peckham Comedy Festival, a half-term family film fest, and the return of Cinema in the Snow, a stunning cinematic Christmas experience set in a magical snow-filled wonderland. The Forbidden Forest Cinema, which takes place the 23rd of October to the 15th of November, it's kicking off the schedule of events will be um, a collection of immersive Fright Night Halloween screenings. Visitors must brave their way through a forbidden forest before discovering an eerie woodland cinema, the perfect setting for their favourite film. Films include Halloween horror favourites such as A Nightmare on Elm Street, Hereditary, It, Beetlejuice, Scream, The Shining and The Blair Witch Project as well as cult classics like Donnie Darko, Rocky Horror Picture Show, From Dusk Till Dawn, Labyrinth and The Craft. Half-term screenings of Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit, Onward, Myuna, Minions and Toy Story 4 will also be part of the schedule coupled with a family friendly magical adventure through the mysterious forest. Adult tickets will be priced from £22 including all fees with concessions for family tickets and half term screenings. A limited amount of VIP tickets will also be made available at £27.50 again including all fees, premium seats and a drink. Other announced events that will follow later in the year include Peckham Comedy Festival the 19th to the 22nd of November and the return of Cinema in the Snow 
which is the 27th of November to the 20th of December. Okay, so the booking information are in the episode details. So if you fancy some cinema in a forest, some snow and comedy, go and check it out. Okay, so now we've got all of that out of the way, let's get to this week's films, starting with this. Okay, people, if you're a fan of uh, war films, but you've always wondered what happens when the soldiers come back? Right? How do they deal with everything that they've seen and gone through? Then maybe Escape and Evasion is the film for you. It's um, Storm Ashwood's new offering. It's his actually second feature film. He, uh, you know, he wrote it. Right? And, um, yeah. You know, there's a, a, a big crew and everyone that was, you know, involved with the production, okay? So, we have the film, well, it's led by Josh McConville, who plays our lead, Seth, and Bonnie Sven, who plays Rebecca, a rent, relentless reporter. We also have uh, Rena Owen, Faras Dirani, Hugh Sheridan, Steve Lemacquad, Elisa Murray, Peter O'Honnellan, Jesse Robertson, who plays Lizzie, Seth's daughter. Yeah, so we have, um, yeah, we, we have all of these people. Uh, the music is by Michael Lira. Uh, director of photography is Wade Muller. Um, yeah, you know, I think mean, that's probably the main, the main lot of people involved. Uh, so the gist of the film. Is uh, this After his men are killed in Burma A lone soldier returns home In search of solace Hiding a dark secret And confronted by an unrelenting Journalist He's forced to face the ghosts One last time Now We open up With A helicopter Flying over a forest It lands And then it's Crack team depart We then Jump to a You know a house In disarray Sink full of just dirty dishes There's rubbish all over the floor It's a mess There's a laptop playing A news report With a guy sitting in front of it Holding a gun to his head He's shaking and you can see that he's trying to find the courage to pull the trigger. Now, this is Seth, our lead. Just so happens, the news report he's watching 
is from Rebecca, our relentless journalist, right? He gets a text saying, have you picked up Lizzie, who's his daughter? We then jump to Rebecca at home. An army officer's knocked at the door, given her a letter. She's crumpled in distress. Okay, so we have a lot of cuts, right? We're, we're, it's showing a lot of information, trying to give us some background. We then kind of jump three months later. You know, Seth arguing with his, you know, ex about his daughter. You know, she's complaining he needs to do more. He needs to get help. She tells him she might be moving for a job. It doesn't sound like the best of relationships, best of situations, really. You know, we also have Rebecca having a meeting with the army officer trying to get information. You know, so it turns out her brother was killed and she wants to know what happened. Right, so there's all of this. And we have Rebecca, you know, another scene that we see is Rebecca confronting Seth. Now, we're given a lot of information at the beginning. And to be honest with you, it doesn't necessarily flow together. Right? We're seeing just a lot of stuff. And there's a lot of these weird coincidences. You know, like... Her being on the, la you know, the reporter being on the laptop. Just all of stuff like that, right? Now, we're, we're kind of meant to be sold that she's a great reporter. You know, relentless, great at research and all of this. But we have the way that she confronts Seth to try and get information. And it is not good. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of terrible. You know, she's screaming at him, accusing him. It's very confrontational, right? It's just like, that's not the best way to get information. And just her talking to the army officer, it's the same thing. You know, a lot of this, you're just like, wait, what? Huh? Yeah, it, it it's weird. We, again... Then have her a bit later meet Seth. And again, she's asking him to let her know what happened. But it, it, it's not like it's not really done in the best way. And you also kind of think, what? Doesn't make any sense. Right, it's just a weird situation that doesn't make any sense. It's also very cliched. It leads us into Seth starting to tell you know, the story. Right? So we, we get them in the forest and just, you know, a, a lot of stuff that plays out. But this is the thing. Right? We're 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 being sold on a lot here, but 
nothing really nothing really flows that well nothing really meshes out right yo just the whole army situation they're in a forest but none of them are really that muddy you know they don't really look like they're a, a, a actual crack team trying to do a mission they look like this is what we think a crack team is, is going to look like you know what i mean it, it just always plays a little bit off. You then have, like, just these situations play out, but very cliched. You know, everything that happens is just all a little cliched. We have, um, you know, we cut from that to Seth confronting his army boss. And again, it's all very cliched. You know, you you just think like the way he talks to uh, just just a lot of just in general, really, a lot of the conversations they really don't flow like a conversation. Yo, it, it always feels a little bit forced, like you want people to hit these certain keywords, right? You're then kind of cutting from that to Seth out with his daughter. You know, he's in the park, and uh, there's just this weird little conversation he ha- this kid has with him, right? And it's just like, Ugh, god damn it That's not great And they, they're trying to show this PTSD And it's, look, it's fine But, again, it's a little cliche Right? They're, they want to show that all of these things were a trigger to Seth Which, yes, these things can happen But it doesn't, you know, from working with people with PTSD, it doesn't necessarily always happen in the same way every single time. But that's kind of how they want to depict it here. That, you know, all of these things kind of will trigger him and force him to do this stuff. And it's just like... Come on, you're you're being way too heavy with this, right? But it leaves us with this question, you know, because a big part of the film is all of these people telling Seth he needs to get help, but he's not getting help. But we see him with his daughter, and you're just kind of like, why isn't that the impetus for him to get help? Now, obviously, listen... These kind of things, it's tricky, right? It's a tricky thing. But you would kind of feel that there should be this inner struggle with him on, I need to get help. I want to be, you know, I want to be able to see my daughter. But I can't do this thing. You know what I mean? But we don't get that. Right, we don't get that, and it's odd. And we keep on then having him meet up with Rebecca 
in all of these just cliched little meetings, and especially the third one, right, this incident, again, it's in the bar, right, and as soon as there's a guy that walks in, as soon as we see this guy, you know exactly what's gonna happen, and yup, it plays out just like that, and we have Rebecca have a go at him for everything that just transpires, and it's a bit like, yeah, there wasn't really, you know, you couldn't say there wasn't really another way for him to get out of this situation, you know, like, and her knowing he's got PTSD, her knowing everything, again, her reaction is odd, it's odd, and it's especially odd with just them from this moment, how their relationship kind of develops, everything between those two, right, we, we have him, you know, for, for a big chunk of the film, going, uh, should I tell her, should I not tell her, what am I going to do, which you're kind of thinking, like, this is all a little, what's happening here, this is a little march, right, you, we, we have this, also this kind of incident again with his daughter, and they're trying to depict it like it's the first time, and you're just thinking, wait, how would that be the first time, because, yo, we have an early daughter, early, sorry, an early, earlier moment between him and his daughter, that you're just like, well, it's obvious that she understands the situation, so then in this later scene, for them to play it the way they do, it doesn't mesh, it doesn't feel right, so eventually, right, about 50 minutes in, we finally have Seth tell the story, now remember, this film is about an hour and a half, so it's just like, whoa, you really took your time, you just padded this out, in telling this story, and the story that unfolds, you know, the story that he tells, it's, it's just riddled with every single cliche from a war film, right, Yo, know, the whole, oh, it was all my fault, just all of that, now, one incident that does occur, you do, you are kind of baffled why that would happen, right, you're baffled why it would happen, because they haven't shown us, like, the, I guess the, you know, the magnitude of a situation, or anything leading up to that point, like, the pressure on his shoulders, which would have him do this thing, right, so this thing happens, and it's just like, well, that's just weird, right, 
that's weird. And it also then plays into later in the film, right? Because you have this other thing that happens, and you're just like, but why would that person do that after everything that we've just seen? Because that makes no sense. Like, absolutely no sense. It, you know, we see this classic kind of thing of loads of enemy who have terrible aim. Just terrible aim. Like, the you know, our, our, our team of soldiers in the worst situations. But escaping. And then it all goes to hell in this just... Weird ass sequence Just a weird ass sequence And you're kind of thinking to yourself Like why wouldn't you just tell that story Why wouldn't you tell that story Because it's just like If he is a soldier with all of this experience And that's what we're led to believe like you can see that everything that went down, although it is a shit show, right? To kind of say you're completely to blame is a big stretch, right? It's a big stretch. Also, we have the reaction to the story, which again makes no sense, right? Just makes no sense. So. We then have an ending of the film that just, you're kind of scratching your head at it because it's a bit like, wait, we've just seen all of this stuff, so how do we get to this point, right? How do we go from this thing to this? Because... Yeah, these do not <laughs> make a conclusion. These, there, you know, there has to be something in between that would change the minds or at least the viewpoints, right? Because we can't have the characters go from this thing to then this because it's weird. Right, it, it it's weird and it just doesn't run true. You know, you can't look at that and believe that all of a sudden, you know, people are gonna be acting in this fashion and and, and go from this, you know, place of grief to then this next place. You know, it's just like ah, god damn it. And it also, uh, like, it just ends, ends on this just terrible, terrible moment. Like, it, you know, it is technically not a terrible moment, but it's just, it's too cookie cutter. It's too, wait, what? How do you go from here to here? Like, you've put this character basically in a metaphorical dip. 
pitch. And you're now telling us that they're able to get to this point. Like, where are the steps? Because you showed us no steps. Right? You you showed us no no tran no real transition from A to B. You just didn't do it. Right? It's not convincing the journey you put your characters on. And throughout, you're you're doing these things. You're trying to show this, you know, PTSD, which is a big thing. It's a big thing. Right? But there are organisations, and I know in the UK that because I've worked with them, there's organisations that help, you know, Veterans with this stuff And you would think That At some point There is someone that would tell him This But no one does Right which you're just like What? Why wouldn't that happen? You've also got the You know the PTSD Is always playing out in the same fashion And again it doesn't necessarily Do that you know, you, you, it's just different different characters' reactions to it. And especially people that are meant to know him and know him pretty well. It, it, it just all falls very, just very flat. Just very flat. Like the army scenes, you just don't believe it's, you know, it's an army. Like, you know, basically, it would play better as, you know, these are the guys you'd see doing paintball You you just can't believe them as army Just everything that, like, transpires It's just, really? You want us to believe this? Huh? Like, the acting isn't, like, look, it's not terrible The acting isn't terrible it's just a little bit hammy It's a little bit hammy It's a little bit over the top And it probably would work better If you know, we, we just had a better flow to the film You know what I mean? If we had a better flow A better transition from scenes You know, if the story just showed This, this journey This understanding from the characters I think that just the performances Would be able to Breathe a bit better You know Have more space to truly Depict Who these people are But uh Yeah there you go I mean people I would probably say If you're a fan Of um Something like Triple uh, Triple Frontier You know it, it, it kind of rings True to that In feel Obviously look they're not the same films But Yeah that that's the type Of thing kind of That you're, you're seeing with this You know what I mean Um Okay it's out digitally 
on Monday the 28th of September And um, if you would prefer to have a physical copy in your hands Then on the 26th of October You get the DVD Okay So um, you know the film's coming from a light bulb distribution And again people this is from Storm Ashwood with uh, you know Josh McNivell, Bonnie Sven, and a host of other Australian talent. Okay, so escape and evasion. Okay, people, so, Enola Holmes, hmm, when this was announced, I was intrigued, right, because he's racking my brains, thinking, I don't believe a sister was ever mentioned in the books, uh, and then it was like, um, ah, okay, the film has been picked up by, uh, Netflix, and mm, it's got a a good cast. How is this going to turn out? You know, now there was problems. The Cohen Doyle estate did file an injunction, so there was a thing. Will it actually come out? But it seems all of that got sorted out, and the film is now with us. So, as said, right, um, it's actually based on the Enola Holmes Mysteries, which is a series of young adult books by Nancy Springer. The six books in the series so far, not sure if there's going to be more, but yeah, so far there is six books, and um, this film is directed by Harry Bradbeer. It's produced by Mary Parent, Alex Garcia, Millie Bobby Brown, and Paige Brown, and the uh, you know the screenplay is by Jack Fawn. Uh, the cast, ah, well, we have a big, as I said, a big cast. You know, we got Millie Bobby Brown, who is playing Enola Holmes herself. Henry Caval is playing her big brother, Sherlock. And Sam Cliffen is playing the eldest, Mycroft Holmes. We then have Helena Bottom Carter as Edoria. I think that's how it's pronounced. Edoria Holmes, the mother. Uh, we have got, um, oh gosh, Louise Patridge, I think it's Louise Patridge, uh, and he is playing Lord Twexbury, hmm, I do, yes, I think I'm pronouncing all of these names correctly, uh, we have also got Adele Actor as Inspector Lestrade Fiona Shaw as Miss Harrison Francis Delatour as the Dowager 
That's Turksbury's grandmother. Susie Wakamer as Edith. Um, and Born Gorman as Linform. Uh, so the the gist of the film is this England 1984 A world on the brink of change On the morning of her 16th birthday Enola Holmes wakes to find that her mother has disappeared Leaving behind an odd assortment of gifts But no apparent clue as to where she's gone or why After a free-spirited childhood Enola suddenly finds herself under the care of her brothers, Sherlock and Mycroft, both set on sending her away to a finishing school for proper young ladies. Refusing to follow their wishes, Enola escapes to search for a mother in London. But when her journey finds her entangled in a mystery surrounding a young runaway lord, Enola becomes a super sleuth in her own right, outwitting her famous brother as she unravels a conspiracy that threatens to set back the course of history. So there you have it, people. The gist of the film. Now, we have it opening up. Uh, with Enola riding a bike through through the countryside, through woods in the countryside. So we have this, and while this, she is filling us in, you know, telling us, well, her mother called her Enola, which, you know, backwards spells alone, you know, about the childhood growing up. You know, the pursuits her mother would have her do. You know, reading, archery, fencing, martial arts, all of this. Deciphering clues. Just, yes, all of this. But then also, her mother had mysteries. Ta-da. So we get a little look. You know what I mean? A little peek into the foundation, as it were. And, yeah, then the story kind of evolves from there. She's going to the station to meet her brothers. Um, and I think it's at this point, like, you know what I mean? I kind of had pause, right? And it's small, minor things, I guess. You have a bit where she falls off the bike, Right? And, like, kind of be like, oh, look, she's clumsy. But really, like, the way they have her riding the bike, firstly, is fine. (laughs) But then all of a sudden she just falls off. And it's just like, oh, yes, I haven't mastered the bike. And it's just like, "Mm, trust me. I, when learning to ride a bike, I was terrible at first. I crashed all the time, you know what I mean, I went over that handle, but I had accidents galore, and her riding was far better than mine back in the day, you know what I mean, so to be like, oh, I'm so clumsy, it just doesn't, doesn't really play, right, but we have her going into mud, but then essentially, she's no longer really muddy, For the next 
part of the kind of unfolding scene, which is just like, so what was the what's the point, right? Either make a muddy or don't. Like, why are you half arsing it? It's irritating, you know, and it, then it makes you wonder. Okay, so what else are you gonna half ask things at now? All right, so there was that, um, and as again, look, it's a minor thing, right? Uh, we then have her meeting her brothers, and she said, "Oh, they left pretty much just after her birth, kind of." And they haven't been back since But then it's just like Oh yes and I'm waiting here Oh, And they don't recognise me And it's just like wait If, you're, if you, you've told us they haven't come back So why did you think It was just like ah, oh, I get what they're trying to do With the scene But it's just a little infuriating Because You've already established They haven't seen you so what are you doing? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just ah, I kind of find it a little lazy. But we we have all of this, right? And it's kind of Mycroft driving the the whole school thing and everything else because she's his ward, right? And we kind of got Sherlock just a little bit in the background. Pondering Smiling A little aloof But obviously Planning Right And so we have all of this But as When we take the story on Right so we're now established She's running off And we have her Meeting Lord Tuxbury And just how all of that it's a you know, it was a little bit much, right? We have like Enola throughout the film going into disguise, but the problem is like she never looks like a boy. Like the disguises aren't great. You know what I mean? Like you can look and you'd be like, yeah, she never like the disguises will never have her look like a boy Right You've often got her wearing lipstick Which is just like wait, If you're meant to be going Like incognito Undescript Why is she wearing motherfucking lip Like what are you doing here So she never really looks like a boy Then the whole Elaborate plan where Lord Dewsbury has Also run away Again, it doesn't really make sense, but they've they've done it to add an element of ha ha look at this. Oh, this is amusing, isn't it? And it's a little bit like But we have all of this and like a little bit of mayhem in shoes, right? But the whole it is like just that whole kind of sequence. It's all a little bit style. It just seemed a little style over substance, which for me is kind of a theme throughout the film. Like, and don't get me like this. Look, technically, 
the film, it looks nice, right, it all looks very nice, you know, like, especially, you know, the scenes in the country and things like that is very scenic, you know, you've got nice, nice shots, but then, I guess, when you come to London, again, it look, it does look like Victorian London, it does look rather clean for Victorian London. And it doesn't look as busy as it would have been. Right? There is always that. It's like when you have a, a film do a, a scene in a nightclub. And it's never really packed. Like, everyone's always got enough room to dance and do so. And you're just like, wait, what? This is a... Huh? You know what I mean? Like, no one's going to a club like this. You know what I mean? If you were in a club like this, you'd be a bit vexed because you'd be like, ah, it's not that popular. <laughs> like, what's happening? You know, and that was the kind of London scenes. They're a bit like that. Also, it had a little bit of a feel. It had... It always looked a bit like a set. Now, I don't know if this is, like, an intentional... Aesthetic, right? To make it just look a little bit to the side of kilter, but it just always has this feel like it is a staged set. It's like theatre dressing. You know, it's always a little bit too clean or a little bit too polished and sharp, right? And that again, find it a little bit jarring. Right now, one big thing that you know they want to do with this film, right? So, again, it, it's kind of set around a reform vote, which is you know giving women the vote, right? So, kind of tied in, you'd think with the suffragette movement, but the suffragettes are never mentioned. Yeah, you you can assume it's kind of hinted at, but it's never mentioned, which does seem odd, right? It is like, wait, why wouldn't you mention that? Like, why wouldn't that be a thing? When clearly that was, yeah, yeah. There's always these baffling things, right? Um, now other things. <sighs> You want to, like, the film is clearly a a woman empowerment vehicle, which, again, I have no issue with that, right? Have strong female characters, that's always a good look, it's always good. But, like, the, a problem that you always find with a lot of these, like, young adult books... You know, or or films that are set up to do this exact thing. They always want to put in a kind of love interest, right? And it's always baffling because you you always want to say like the woman is strong, she can do anything, but then you throw in this kind of love interest that's always there. You know, and it, it, it kind of affects the woman and makes her do certain things that maybe she wasn't going to do. Change her plans. 
like he'll save her at one moment, but she, yes, she will save him, but he saves, and you're like, what are you doing, you don't need to do that, like, you can have a guy in a film, but he can be a friend, now, there, you, people might say, right, that in this film, they don't actually kiss, but they're making moony eyes at each other, right, it is a love interest, just because you don't explicitly say it, the audience can see it, right, you'd have to be a moron, you'd have to be Stevie Wonder to miss this, but I even think Stevie would be able to notice this glaring thing in the film, right, you could have, you could have just had it as a friend, that would have served, you know, but they've done this thing, which irritating. Another thing is like the whole jujitsu. Like, ugh, I realize that in the uh, Guy Ritchie films, they kind of include, they kind of made, you know, Sherlock an MMA fighter, which again, I always found that jarring. Like, Guy Ritchie is a martial arts fan. Get it? You know what I mean? But then just doing it in this, it was just like, ugh. And then you always have that thing where there's this move that the person can't pull off. And you know, okay, there's going to be a point towards the end of the film where they finally are able to pull off this move. Like, it's just way too obvious. Right? Another thing... Diversity. What what are we doing? Right? When you're setting a film in this time, why are you forcing diversity in it? Right? Because it's just it is weird. Like, and especially having people in certain roles when you're like, obviously they wouldn't be able to have that role. They wouldn't be able to have that position in that period of time. So what are we doing? doing here, now obviously, look, it's a piece of fiction, yes, I know, I know, you don't have to yell it, you know, I I get it, but it, it always feels a bit, because the characters are never, they're never really developed, it's just like, what, like, what's their purpose, right, you have, um, this the one character, gosh, what's her name? Um, God damn it, is a uh, Edith. And you're just like, I don't know why this character is here. Like she says some, oh, she gives her some sage advice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you want to stay in London, be tough, be tough, live the life, but don't do it because you're looking for someone. Do it because you're looking for yourself. Hear it? Like, if, if this whole role is to uh, just give these during drib little bits of advice, just like, mm, you could do better. You could do better. Hearing? But essentially, a lot of the film, it is kind of these set pieces. These, these big movements, 
right? And the intertwining connective tissue doesn't really always make sense. But there's a lot of the film which you're just like, but why? Right? Even some of these pieces that they've created to add this elaborate, like, ha ha. It's just like, but why? <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a lot just like, but why? You know, just with the main plot point, which isn't the main plot point because you go from this thing, the mother running away, to then the Lord Dewsbury running away, which now kind of feels like more of the main plot point than the mother, right? The mother running away makes no sense. Even when you kind of get the answer, it still makes no sense, right? It's just like, but why? <laughs> you know what I mean? You're just like, huh? You're right? and the little douchebag bit, like a lot of the stuff you feel should have been able to get wrapped up sooner. You know, the, like there's always this thing like, ah, she's outwitted Sherlock. But you're kind of like, but Sherlock's not really even looking into this. Or it doesn't seem like you have him turn up going, ah, oh, I, I, I think you need to do this. And he's like, oh, your sister's already. But it's just like, but how much was he actually looking Right, to to have the premise that he's being outwitted, you have to kind of have it that he's actively looking. But if you don't have that, then to throw in, oh, you've outwitted him, it just it's just like, but have you? Hmm. You know, like, look. It's fine, you want to set the character up as being She's just as smart Which is, like, I have no issue with that But there's just better ways of doing it You know what I mean? There's a lot of breaking the fourth wall Which, you know, is fine But, uh, like, uh, an issue that you you have with a lot of the films is it can get a bit much. You know, like you you have to go, okay, but why? Right? Why are we having the character do this? And does it serve the purpose at this moment in time? Right? And a few of the moments you would have to say, not really, no. Like, what are you doing? Yo, the final kind of wrap up of the film, it's like, ah, it's okay, but again, it's just a little, eh, it's a little flat, but it, but it leads into, this is the end of the first film in the series, you know what I mean? Because as I said, look, there's six books in the in the series so far. So it's obvious that this is intended to be, you know, the beginning of a tentpole, if it's popular enough. Right? That's the big thing. And I'm I'm you know, I'm sure it will be.
Because the performances are solid Like the performances aren't bad Right? They are Hmm I would say that it is just uh you know again as I mentioned it's a kind of style over substance right there is a lot that you do kind of think that just ah uh, well that just seems a weird conversation or why would the conversation go like there's no reason for the conversation to go in that manner right there there's this weird kind of like Interplay between Edith and Sherlock With her kind of attacking him And telling him Off But then But I can see you care about your sister And she probably needs you And it's just like wait what Like what Huh You're, It's a weird kind of thing Whereas you have a little Sword play at the beginning You're like okay you've established that It's fine They've now set her into that and it'd be like, boom, play it out. But they try, it's trying too hard to make certain characters look really sage or really witty, really intelligent. And, and they do that a bit too much. You know, with, with kind of things happening that, again, don't make sense. You know, like the whole Lord Torksbury. Moment in the house Like Why would he just stand there You know like Just yeah These things so the, the, the acting is fine But it's just I feel the script and the way That they've wanted them To perform a lot of the time Comes across Rather trite Right Now I say this, but I would imagine, right, if you're a fan of the two Guy Ritchie films, you will enjoy this, because it is kind of similar in the way it's being shot, with the techniques used, the storytelling kind of motifs and all of that, also, if you're a fan of Jack Fawn, right, so he wrote it, he adapted the film So if you're a fan of him You will enjoy this film Because, you know, watching like the Aeronauts The interplay, the way the story moves It is very similar You know, um, with his other stuff Like A Long Way Down Again, it's like these quiffy little <sighs> remarks between characters and stuff like that. It's just the way he writes. If you're a fan of that, you will enjoy this film. You know? So, I, you know, it's not for me. But I can see the audience. You know, I can see it being a hit. I can see it being popular. And us getting more in this series. You know, it's on Netflix, people. So, uh, yeah, go check it out. You know what I mean? It's Enola Holmes. I have to say, when 
whatever I know there's a new Charlie Hoffman Just whatever coming uh, It's always exciting, right? Always want to check it out Because, man, when you think about the amount of just great stuff He is pen directed Yeah, it's just astounding So, uh, yeah, I was very, very much looking forward to I'm thinking of ending things uh, Which I didn't realise was an adaptation of a book by Ian Reid But, uh, yeah, you know, I I thought, yeah, let me give it a look You know, it's produced by um, Kaufman Along with Anthony Bregman uh, Robert Salario and Stephanie Azapiza. Uh, you know, Kaufman did the uh, screenplay and the film. It's starring uh, Jesse Buckley, uh, Jess Plems, Tony Collette, and David Wallace. Music is Jay Wadley and cinematography. Uh, Lucas Zhao Hmm I think that's right Um So I mean It's an odd film Right is it but Kind of I don't really think anyone expects Something straightforward And normal From Kaufman You know I think if you sat down and you got that, you'd be like, wait, did I miss something? Yeah, no, obviously there was, you know, there's some subtext there somewhere. And I thought, and I must have missed it because maybe it's in the colours they're wearing. And, you know, you'd just be looking. <laughs> you'd just be like, no, it can't possibly be that simple. <laughs> Why am I scratching my head thinking, where are the answers? Where are the answers? <laughs> And uh, yeah, this film does not disappoint you on the oddness, right? Uh, so the gist is, um, you know, despite second thoughts about their relationship, a young woman, played by Buckley, takes a road trip with her new boyfriend, played by Plems, to his family farm. Trapped at the farm during a snowstorm, with Jake's mother, Colette, and father, Twelles, the young woman begins to question the nature of everything she knew or understood about her boyfriend, herself, and the world. An exploration of regret, longing, and the fragility of the human spirit. So, uh, yeah... That's, I don't know, that's a description And I think as a description, I don't think it's bad You know what I mean, I, I, I think it, yeah, I think it hits some points I think with this you can't really say too much You know, because there's always a fear that I think maybe that you're uh, giving too much away You're or leading people in a direction uh, So there's always that um, 
you know, I think possibility and concern. It's hmm. It's it's a strange situation. Now, I I enjoyed I enjoyed it. But was uh, it's not something that I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna watch again and again. No, <laughs> I don't think that really is the case with a lot. Well, I'd say a lot of, but I don't know, not all. Some of his stuff for sure. There's definitely some things I think. Hmm. I very I did enjoy it, but I don't think if I could watch it again. You know, but um, yeah, uh, I, I mean, there's a lot that I would watch again. You know, adaptation, being John Malkovich, you know, Eternal Sun. I've watched that so many times. You know, uh, Synodution, yeah, you know, what I, mean? I, I mean, I don't think I have to really go through them all, but uh, yeah, with this one, it's um. I think the beginning is very interesting. I the one thing about I the, the music grated me. There's some music playing out of it, and I was just like, if only I could just not have that. You know, what I mean, everything else, I'm just like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's all. I get that. There's it's it's asking questions about um like situations and things, you know, and also. I just think an understanding that, you know, maybe it's it. Maybe that's it. You know, I don't really see a reason why not. You know, I've kind of, yeah, I've done everything. Uh, there's nothing else to kind of live for, so fuck it. Why not? And you get that. You know what I mean? You'd be like, all right, yeah, no, I understand that. But yeah, <laughs> being there, feel it, you know what I mean? And as the situation goes on, it's those weird, ain't those weird interactions, right? And I think suddenly when you're, you know, you've been seeing someone for a period of time, like there was a bit when she's like, um, Oh, I think it's been, what, six, seven weeks? I don't know. I'm a bit like, hmm, maybe it's been longer. I know it feels like it's been long, but it's not long. I should know this. And you get that sometimes, right? You Yeah, you're in a situation where you're like, oh, it feels like an age. It hasn't, actually hasn't been that long. But, yeah, but I don't, I don't really... So it's just an odd situation You're just like You're not fully Won over by it all But it's fine Right You're not like Ugh, hate it But yeah And then you're meeting significant others You know what I mean You're meeting parents And it's like Meeting parents can just be a it's weird. It can be weird as fuck. And especially when the other person isn't really buffering the weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? And sometimes shit gets said and you're just like, uh, what? 
what? What the fuck is this? And they're just not doing any. Or you then realize that they have, uh, you know, given a completely different picture to who you are and what you do. And so it's all odd. And I think that is very much captured here. There is then more to the film. There's this undercurrent. And you notice it. You know. From the giddy up really. Like. Certain things get said. Which contradict themselves. Or. um, It's just certain attitudes. Right. So. you, You notice that. You know, Pumley, he he kind of uh, forces her to say stuff. Like, Jake is, they're in the car, and he's just like, oh, tell me this, tell me that. And he's like, ah, I don't really want to. And he's just like, no, come on, do it. Tell me, tell me. And you're just like, oh, that's a bit, right? And then there's other times when... She'll be saying something and then he'll talk over it and take it in another direction. And all of this is very, it's very odd, right? As the film goes on, because, you know, there's definitely times when you understand something, right? Someone wants to say something, but you have to nudge them into doing it, right? Or... You get what they're saying and you'd be like, oh, yeah, 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 you mean, ba-ba-ba-ba-bum. But when it happens so much, it's a different tone. So it, it, it seems like it's something else. And as you're watching a film, you do notice all of these inconsistencies. And you then wonder to yourself... Okay, is the focus different? You know what I mean? Is who we perceive to be the person driving the film really someone else? You understand? Because with everything that is happening, right? And Throughout, we're also getting these these flashes, these intercut moments that are either an alternative reality, a future, or a delusion. So we're having all of this happen. Which then does lead you in the... Kind of thought that I think that this film isn't about this person. You know, I think the narrative is something else, right? And with the way everything is going, there is this thought that, um, yeah, it could be a break. Right, it could be a mental lapse because we are getting 
these these jumps in time, these jumps in narrative, these changes of thought, right? These changes of focus. And I think there are meant to be visual aids that lead you to this. But I'm not because yeah, it's hard like the camera does move over certain things. Yo, at a at a quick pace and it's hard to read certain like book titles and things like that. Uh because you know, some of the things that she says, and I keep on saying she because throughout the film we're getting different names. Right? So you're just like, hmm. Okay, what is the name? And then when you're, you know what I mean, you think, oh, is that her name? But then a phone will go with that name on it, and you're like, hmm, okay, what is this? Right? So, yeah, I, I you kind of get this odd sense. And there is a bit where, you know, she goes down to the basement and opens the washing machine. And what we see inside, it does make you kind of go, oh, okay, I, yeah, I believe it's leading us here, right? But you don't quite know, because Kaufman is fucking odd. (laughs) You know what I mean? Kaufman will take you all over the place. You know what I mean? And, and, and so you're, uh, you know, definitely there's like moments and you're thinking, actually, is this just a weird horror? Maybe it's like this psychological uh, kind of, yeah, thriller. <laughs> you know, is someone getting their head hacked off any minute? You know what I mean? Like you never go down to the basement. What is this? Hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, like you are off balance. All the time, throughout, just yeah, trying to keep from uh, I'd say get lost, but it's not even getting lost, it's just keeping these threads and faults of narrative, I guess, in check, right? Because you're getting a few different things thrown at you. And I think it's easy, if you're not paying attention, it, it will be easy to miss, um, like, the, the directions that things are going in. You know, some kind of, like, uh, signposts that are throughout the film. But there are these things, you know, and certain things that are getting said by our main characters... By the supporting characters By people they meet along the way So Yeah It's uh, It is interesting You know Like especially with The end Like the end As you could feel it is Kind of abrupt You know But not Right which is, yeah, a bit perplexing um, And I have to say, right Where 
some of Kaufman's other work. Yo, some of the other stuff, it is long, but it doesn't feel long. I did think this did feel long. <laughs> like, it did feel like it was... Um, It it was more of a stretch, I guess, than, uh, you know, something like Eternal Sunshine, which you're, you're gripped throughout, you know, and with this, it's not like you're not intrigued, but there is, there are points where you do drop off, right, you do kind of Lose focus I would say Um Yeah But It's definitely interesting I've not read the book So I don't know How well it matches up I will say the performances Are extremely good Like everyone Really does A great job Of like giving us kind of this weird insight into these characters and just the personas and like odd traits right and odd lilts and things such as that plus we get this fantastic cinematography like the the snow you know filled fields or just like this the weird quirky interior of the house you know so all of this does mash up well in giving us this compelling tapestry of a uh yeah, moving vehicle of images, but um, it's definitely weird. <laughs> so if you're a fan of Hoffman, I'd say yeah, check it out. But if um, you know, Malkovich adaptation, Spotless Mind, yo, if these things have left you very perplexed. Then possibly this one is not for you. <laughs> so I, I guess that's probably my best way to lead you with this film. You know what I mean? If, uh, yeah, if those have just had you pulling out your hair and going, I don't get it, then uh, do not watch this film because it will irritate you. But if you love all of those, then yo, go get you some people, it's on Netflix, uh, it's a Netflix film, so it will be there for, yeah, forever really, I guess, so yeah, there you get it, I'm thinking of ending things. <laughs> Okay, people, as we draw to a close of another episode, let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of film. Well, Ron Howard is going to be working on a biopic of the, um, you know, world-renowned pianist Lang Lang. It's going to be produced 
through Imagine Entertainment and AGC Studios. So it's, you know, the the story's taken from uh, the journey of a thousand miles, which is Lang Lang's um, memoir, and it traces his life story from childhood in the provincial city of Shenyang in northern China to the peak of the global classical musical industry. So yeah, um, Michelle Mulroney and Kieran Mulroney will be, um, you know, writing the script, and John Jacques Sisbron will be executive producing. Uh, so, um, other news: Algie Smith is teaming up with Chloe Grace Moratz. In um, Mother Android. Okay, so Matson Tomlin is writing the script, and the film is going to be based at Miramax. Okay, so um, they will be playing a couple who go on a treacherous journey to escape their country, which is caught in an unexpected war with artificial intelligence. Days away from the arrival of their first child, the couple must face no man's land, a stronghold of the android uprising in hopes of reaching safety before Yulja gives birth. Huh. Could be interesting. Okay, so, um, yeah. Now, Ryan Goslin is um, teaming up with David Leitch um, and Drew Pierce on a um, untitled film which is uh, based on a stuntman. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it, you know what I mean? It's, it's been in a bidding war which Universal Pictures have won so Leech will direct Pierce is going to be writing and um, Goslin is going to be starring <laughs> as well as producing okay so um, they're all currently working on projects but it's believed that they're looking to um, get this one wrapped up nicely now, one of the bidders that missed out is Netflix, but things seem pretty good for them because they've got a few projects um, that are currently getting worked on. One of which is Maestro, which is um, starring Bradley Cooper and Carrie Mulligan. So, it's um, based on the life of uh, Leonard Bernstein, the legendary composer and conductor. Now, Cooper is going to be playing Bernstein, and uh, Mulligan will be playing his wife, Felicia. And the story, it, it's basically their love story. So we see them over 30 years from when they met in 1946, 
and all the way through, you know, during their 25 year marriage where they had three children. So, Cooper, as well as directing the film, he also co wrote it along with Josh Singer. Um, so, yeah, could be interesting. I mean, he's A Star is Born was a huge success, and I'm sure that everyone involved is hoping this be the same sort of thing. Another Netflix project is um, gonna be the guilty. So they won a um, another bidding war for this one. Uh, so it's um, starring Jake Gyllenhaal and directed by Antonio Farouk. It's a remake of um, you know the original film, which was directed by Gustav Mullier. Uh, and basically, it's um, in the morning or during a 911 dispatch call center. So the call operator, Joe Baylor, played by Gillenhall, tries to save a caller in grave danger, but soon discovers that nothing is as it seems and facing the truth is the only way out hmm it is um gonna be written by nick pizzolotto um and uh yeah we'll, we'll see um you know how well this one does because the original you know uh, was a huge hit uh, And it came out in 2018 Okay So Now this Does sound insane And I'm talking about The unbearable weight Of massive talent Which is uh, The Nick Cage Meta Craziness that's coming out through Lionsgate. Um, now, the story follows a fictionalized version of Cage who must accept a one million offer to attend the birthday of a superfan and billionaire who also happens to be a criminal kingpin. Um, and that's played by Pedro Pascal. When things take a wildly dangerous turn, Cage is forced to live up to his own legend, challenging his most iconic and beloved on-screen characters in order to save himself and his loved ones. So, Tiffany Haddish has uh, joined the film and she's gonna be playing Vivian an eccentric rogue government agent who forces Cage to go undercover in this crazy off-book last-ish effort to bring down uh, this billionaire crime kingpin. It's been directed by Tom Gormican and um, yeah, it's written by Kevin Etten. So, um, I hope it is, uh, 
Yo, I hope it just lives up to the, the craziness that it sounds. <laughs> I mean, it should be fun, hopefully. Now, let's end with this. So, as expected, we are seeing a huge shake-up to, um, you know, the film schedule. Mostly, right now, from Disney. So, um... Black Widow, which was meant to open in May and had been pushed back a few times, and Internals, which was meant to open in November, they basically been kicked back a year. So now Widow will open May 2021 and Internals November 2021. Um now this has also seen Shang-Chi, the Legend of the Ten Rings, um, move. Now that was scheduled to open 2021, but it's been pushed back two months, which ain't a bad thing because it will be opening in July on my birthday. So um, hey, that's uh, something I can do next year. Uh, Steven Spielberg's West Side Story That's getting um, pushed back a year So it will open now the 10th of December 2021 Um, Death on the Nile will open up on the 18th of December this year Uh, The King's Man The, um, yeah, you know the uh, Matthew Vaughan prequel film is um, going to be opening the 12th of February 2021. Um, the Empty Man is going to be opening on the 23rd of October this year. And Deep Water is going to be opening on the 13th of August 2021. Now, interestingly enough, Soul is still scheduled to open the 20th of November this year And Free Guy is um, still scheduled for the 11th of December We'll see if those, uh, you know, stick or if they shift Now, hopefully, I will be seeing Soul Actually, not even hopefully I will be seeing Soul as part of the London Film Festival So um, yeah Looking forward to that one But people That is us We are done for another week Enjoy your film watching And we will see you Next Thursday Peace